Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! Happy Halloween, my beautiful Screamers, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is, are you ready for it? Wait for it. Wait for it. This is episode 69. Oh, yeah. And tonight, we're having a whole Halloween extravagantialar. First up, the crapshoot is back and it's taken on I'm Not Jesus Mommy, the movie that dares to give away its big twist in the title. And then we're having a special visit from Jennifer Weingartner, creator of the Halloween Hullabaloo CD and Cabaret Show. She loves Halloween so much, she got a whole bunch of Broadway stars together to write awesome songs about it. She's here to talk about it with me tonight. And then, then, Mr. Bradford and I are going to be talking about the Hotel Transylvania and also... What happened when we joined the fabulous race across New York City? It's like the amazing race, but really, really fabulous. And then, yes, there's even more. And then we're going to talk about Sinister, the new movie starring Ethan Hawke, who finds out the real dangers of watching Super 8 films. And it's not just getting low-grade porn from Sweden. And finally, I'm going to get 69 by my listeners. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? Well, you'll have to find out when the show starts which is probably right about now. First, he conquered YouTube. Then, he was on Cadaver Lab. Next came Cinema Corps. And then, he was on your mom. What? It totally happened. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast. www.krugernation.com Hello again, my minions. Welcome to another episode. It's so lovely to be here with you again, especially with all the crap that's been going on with my computer. If you're not on the Screamers fan page on Facebook, you might not have heard that more computer problems on my end. No, no, no. It's not the hosting company this time. No, it's actually my computer. My motherboard fried. Yeah, it was Friday night. I was laying down my recording for this week's crapshoot episode. Finished it, hit save, closed the window, and the screen went black and started, the monitor started making this noise like, unk, 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 unk. It was very rude. Not only was it alarming, it was rude. I shut down, I rebooted, it can't, because that's what Mr. Brad always says to do. He's the computer expert in the house. I was like, did you reboot? I'm sorry, that's not him. He'd be like, well, did you reboot? And I'll say, no, but I said, I'm going to be so smart and I'm going to reboot. And it didn't come back. So he thought he was going to be able to fix it. It's three days later. We still don't know exactly what's wrong. And right now we don't have the money to fix it. So how are you making this show, Patrick? Well, I'll tell you. I'm using Bradford's computer. Well, why do you sound like shit, Patrick? Well, I'll tell you. Because Bradford's computer doesn't like my super duper professional microphone. Nope. It just spat it right back out of the USB slot. Blech. Very uncultured, very undignified. So I'm having to use his headset mic. So expect lots of pop peas and fuzzy vowels, which sounds like a cocktail. 
Yes, I'd like a fuzzy vowel, please. Or something that you get in a really weird version of The Price is Right. Not The Price is Right. What am I talking about? Shut up. You know what I meant. God, all the stress. I can't even think straight anymore. Not like I could think straight before. <laughs> so funny. So witty. So Halloween is descending upon us quickly. Isn't that nice, everybody? Isn't it exciting? I wish I could participate more because I am so frazzled. I am so pulled in different ways. And here's the thing that bugs me about my part of town here in New York City. For some reason, they always hang the town Christmas decorations in the middle of October. So they just went up this morning. I saw them hanging them. And it's always kind of surreal to be out on Halloween and see all the kids out trick-or-treating in their little costumes, the little witches and the devils and the, the ghosts and the power rangers and all that other stuff. And they're all carrying their little jack-o'-lantern pumpkins under the big sign that says Joyous Noel as they pass the lit Christmas tree covered in snowflakes and angels. It's a little surreal. It's like a very pagan Christmas, <laughs> which A, is redundant, and B, would be awesome. But as they were hanging it, I remembered something that happened a couple of Halloweens ago, and I think this is a very cute story, and I think you'll like it. Uh, Mr. Bradford and I had gone to Wendy's because we always buy this, those little coupons that are supposed to go to the trick-or-treaters for like free Frosties and French fries, and we use them ourselves because, you know, we're like that. So we went for our Halloween snacks, and I'm watching the kids go by, and everybody's cute, and, you know, they got their parents with them, and everyone's having a good time, and I'm excited just because I haven't seen trick-or-treaters in a long time before moving to this part of the city. You just don't get them. I mean, even at my parents' place out on Long Island, you didn't get them anymore. Nobody goes trick-or-treating, so to see kids out in droves made me happy, but this is not the point. The point is, I see this little boy, and he's with his father, and to be perfectly honest, one of the reasons I noticed him because it, he, he was the dad was cute. Not that I was lusting after him. I'm like, oh, he's an attractive man out with his son. I like to see that. Following son out trick-or-treating after all these moms that look really cranky. These two are out smiling and having a great time. The, the kid's maybe seven or eight. A little blonde kid in glasses. And he's dressed as Superman. I'm like, oh, look at him. He's so cute. Superman wears glasses. Not just when he's Clark Kent. He's got a little blonde hair. He's got a cowlick. He's got his little blue suit on and his cape and his little red skirt and his boots. Wait a minute. Little red skirt. Superman doesn't wear a skirt. I said that to Bradford. I'm like, Bradford, that kid over there, he's wearing a skirt just as Superman. He goes, oh, well, Superman wears a skirt. Well, maybe he does in Chattahoochee Falls or wherever the hell you're from, but not in my book, he does not. That's Supergirl. And I'm looking at the kid trying to determine if it was a girl. I'm like, no, that's a little boy dressed as Supergirl out with his dad having a really great time. And I'm thinking maybe they didn't realize it was a Supergirl costume and he's just wearing it anyway. And I'm going, no, it's obviously a Supergirl costume. That's a young, hip dad. He knows Supergirl when he sees it, so... There's father and son enjoying Halloween. And that dad was accepting that little boy for whatever he wanted to be at seven or eight years old. And if he wanted to be Supergirl, he was going to be Supergirl. I'm not saying that might be a life choice for the kid, but um, it was sweet and I'm getting misty. Which means I got to talk about mean things. Okay, it was not that mean. I just got to change the subject. Um, oh, so 
Owen and I, my friend, the elusive Owen Robertson, went to the movies and we saw The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And you're probably wondering, why the hell are you bringing this up, Patrick? What does this have to do with this show? Well, I'll tell you what it has to do with this show. Do you know who has a cameo in this movie? I was shocked. The main kid's in shop class and the shop teacher walks in. It's Tom Savini. Legendary special effects artist Tom Savini, the godfather of gore, is in this warm, fluffy teen movie, which is, it's really not a fair description of it. Actually, it's a beautiful film. It was warm and fuzzy, but real and, and not really skewed towards the teen audience, which I thought was interesting, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and the thing that also makes it relevant for this audience is that there is a gay character in it. Um, there's this trio of friends, you know, Emma, Emma Thompson, whatever, the, not Emma, Emma, whatever the hell her name is from, Hermione, Hermione, this actor I don't know, I'm going to call him Charlie, I think his name was Charlie, and their gay best friend. So the three of them are this little triangle of awesomeness. And like I said, one of them's gay, and it's never an issue. It never comes up, he's not used to ploy, he's not as the one left out, he's not the sidekick. He's just their gay friend. And his being gay was not really a plot point even. It wasn't exploited for that, although, although, uh, the issue of gay bashing does come up. And before you roll your eyes, like, of course, you put one gay character in, it's got to bring up gay bashing. And I, well, no, this was kind of interesting, and I hope I'm not spoiling this, but it just posed the question of what happens when you get gay bashed by your gay boyfriend? He beat you up because you're gay, but he is too. It's very, very complex. And the other reason I'm bringing this up is the guy that played the gay character in this, his name is Patrick. Can you imagine a gay Patrick? Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> This actor, whose name I don't have in front of me, unfortunately, he played Kevin. And we need to talk about Kevin. In which he was everything he was not in this movie. He was terrifying. And we need to talk about Kevin. And to see him in such a complete 180 as the source of life and light and joy and hope and wisdom, as opposed to death walking on two legs. Well done, sir. Well done, acting actor whose name I can't remember. But let's go back to Hermione for a minute. It's really cute. I love it when British people try to do American accents. To be perfectly honest, she does a pretty good job. She does a pretty good job. Because uh, a lot of uh, Brit folks, when they come over here, their accent's too flat. Yes, I know we tend to have a flat tone to our voices, especially in the Midwest, but sometimes they just go really, really flat, like... I can't think of an actress with no boobs flat. So let's just say super flat. Tortilla flat. Yeah, let's say tortilla flat. Didn't go that way, but hers would pop out every now and then. It's a really weird moment. And some of her pronunciations, I was like, what did you just say? The inflection was wrong, but it just makes me mad. But you know, good job, good job. Whoever her voice coach was, it's a good job. I can't, I'm not talking just because... I know as an actor, accents are really hard to do because no matter what, somebody who's local is going to be like, what the hell was that? Who are you trying to be? Anyway, so the perks of being a wallflower, I recommend it. So my dad had a birthday. Well, actually, it's today, but I took him out over the weekend and I managed to turn it into this whole family event. It was a whole day, like we met for cocktails and then we went to go see Warhorse on Broadway, which I've talked about here before, so I won't go into that again. And then we all went out to dinner. So it was a whole great day. And I managed to get just about everybody. I got, you know, my sister and all of her thousand kids and all of their, their kids and all of their spouses. And I got my 
sister-in-law and her two kids who never come to anything. I got my niece. So everybody was there. It was like 13 people plus Bradford, so 14. And my sister, Kathy, now I've talked about her before. She's a control freak. She normally does the party planning and she was dying that I came up with an idea without her and that I was executing it without her. And she was just trying to like passive aggressively control me from beyond. I was saying, I'm still looking for a restaurant, you know, just something in the area that's in walking distance. And immediately, like within 10 minutes, I got an email from her with about 80 local restaurants on it with their addresses, with many reviews. She's like, oh, I just thought I'd give you a few suggestions. Really, 80 is a few. Girl, Relax your sphincter, girl. Because, you know, that piece of turd that's still in there is not going to turn into a diamond. And if it does, I don't want it. Not in my tiara. Thank you. And just to be a complete bitch, I just didn't pick anything on her list. I'm like, I could be nice and throw her a bone and be like, oh, you helped. I went to the restaurant that you picked out and you helped. No, I'm like, no, all these are suck. I'm like, all these are too pricey. Dad won't eat it or they don't have good health grades from the health department. That shut her up. However, she won the battle. Actually, she didn't win the battle because, you know, my nephew, her son, Brian, whose wedding I went to in Notre Dame, remember that whole story? He married the Mennonite from outer space. She's not from outer space. She's really from Illinois, but that's not the point right now. That just sounded good coming out of my mouth. But um, we're rounding down. The dinner's ending. Everybody's had a great time. Everybody is drunk because, let's face it, we're Irish and German. We drink. It's what we do. And my nephew, all of a sudden, he's got his wife on the phone. And he passes the phone to my dad so she could say happy birthday to him. And my sister leaves over to me and she goes, Tara's got a surprise. I'm like, you fuckers. You fuckers. You are going to upstage me at the last goddamn minute with a grandchild? You couldn't wait another day? You couldn't wait till his actual birthday to surprise him? I can't compete with that. I cannot compete with a grandchild. So that is just rude. R-E-W-D. Rude. The other funny thing that happened is, you know, I'm not going to go into the whole plot of the war horse, but you could probably tell by the title it's about a war horse. I'm on the line in the men's room because that's where everything interesting happens to me. And the guys in front of me were talking about it. And they're like, hey, so you're enjoying the show so far? And the other guy goes, yeah. I uh, like the part with the, um, with the horse. Oh, that part. Oh, right, that part. That's a great part of the show because the horse is always on stage. But enough about the damn war horse. What is there to talk about? Oh, we're going to be joined later on by the one, the only Mr. Brad. And he's going to be talking to us about the fabulous race, which was like the amazing race, but gay, that we ran in New York City, put on by Next Gen and the Trevor Project. And why is that horror related? It's not, it's gay related. So we're gonna talk about the fabulous race, we're gonna talk a little bit about Hotel Transylvania, and we're gonna have double the fun, double the bread. Yay! Well, I think that much said, oh wait, I wanted to say, um, I've been really busy, so I, some of you have been wondering how my projects are going. So one, uh, this film project that I'm doing, it's not really a movie, it's a video project that this guy, Michael Blatt, that I work with in the New York City Gay Men's Chorus is doing, it's a short, half-hour version or so of this flop Broadway musical called Is There Life After High School? And people would say, why are you doing a flop musical? Because the music's awesome. It flopped with bad timing, and maybe it was just too big a house, too small a show for Broadway, but that's not the point right now. 
and it's fun. I'm going to get, once again, I have a monologue about being the fat kid. Some of you might remember back in May, I did that showcase with my friend Jimmy Duran, the pianist and composer, and he had me do this like nine-hour song about being the kid at fat camp and how I got revenge. And now I got another fat kid monologue. I'm like, so what, what are we trying to say? I look like I should have been fat previously in my life. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just weird. Weird. But it's, the thing I don't understand about it, he's picked some good songs, but he didn't pick the best song. I mean, he did pick the best song. There's a song called The Kid Inside, which is the song that people know from this, but it's not the most fun. The most fun is this song that I'm going to play right now, and it's called Beer. And you know why I like it? Because it's about beer. And I'm Irish, and I'm German, and I already explained this to you. Used to be on a Saturday night, my two buddies and me, we'd get high as a kite. And I'm telling you, we were a hell of a sight. Drunk as a skunk in May It never took a lot Just a six pack of beer But it worked in a shot Put us right on our ear And the talk, it was not What you're likely to hear Down at the PT fucking A Man oh man We were something to see Halfway through my 32nd year And I still get thirsty for a can of beer But I don't go crazy like a kid Don't go bananas the way we did I can drink all night before it even shows Now when I get loaded no one ever knows Only trouble is it doesn't feel Like it used to I'm telling you, Jack, if they had any flights, I would fly to get to where my life was easy again. I would fly to feel a feeling that was ten out of ten. I would fly to buy the beer and meet my buddies and then open a can and chug a lug a lug away and get by.
Hold on to your pampers, bitch asses. It's time for the crap shoot. <laughs> Paul. 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 For those of you who are new to the show, the crapshoot is the segment of the program where I dive headfirst into that vast sea of direct-to-DVD horror movie releases in search of that diamond in the shit pile. Have I found it this week? Well, you're going to have to wait and find out because this time around, the crapshoot is going to take a look at a movie called I'm Not Jesus, Mommy. Now, I spoke briefly about it on the last show. Actually, on the live episode, but I figured it was worth talking about in full. Now, like I said, I've been having audio problems, so hopefully there will be a trailer for you to listen to right about now. This year, the first human clone will be born. Congratulations. You have been selected to participate in a human fertility experiment. We will implant an embryo on your uterine wall, which you will then carry to term. When the baby is born, you will be released and made a permanent resident of the United States. One man's obsession. If you could have seen that baby he preserved, where they cut her up, did an autopsy, they took her apart. Can you see the potential here for us? One woman's desperation. You stole the fetus from the lab. You don't even know where these came from, Kim. You don't want a baby? It's not a baby. It's an experiment. We'll bring an end to mankind. Everybody's dying. Dying because of what we did. Do you have any idea where your son came from? Your worst sin was creating me. God will never forgive you. You will burn in hell for what you have done. I'm not Jesus, Mommy. I'm not Jesus, Mommy. Rated R. So, I'm not Jesus, Mommy is the story of this woman. And she is a fertility doctor. As a matter of fact, she is the top of her field. She is the person you go to if you are having trouble conceiving a baby. And she will rock your world. She will get a fetus in you quicker than lickety-split. Now, irony being what it is, this doctor, well, for the sake of argument, we're going to call her Dr. Mommy, but Dr. Mommy can't conceive herself. Her and her, um, well, I don't know if it's her fault or her husband's, but regardless, she and her husband have been trying and trying and trying for years to bring a bundle of joy into their lives with no success. Now, into the mix of all of this, she gets an invitation to go work on this super top secret government medical project in which all of the, the top scientists of their fields are coming to add their skills to whatever the secret project is. And she goes, of course, she jumps at the chance. It's crazy not to. She goes and she finds out it's cloning. Now, she's got some moral problems with this. She is a good Christian lady, and this is not sitting well with her. So she causes this big scene. And this is immoral, this is disgusting, this goes against God's will, blah, 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 and storms out in a huff. Now she gets home to her husband, he's like, what the fuck did you just do? Don't you understand that this might be the thing that could finally help us conceive? This might be the thing that we've been looking for, that we've been praying for. So before you dismiss it as immoral, why don't you at least go and find out what he has to say? 
the scientist inside of you should at least be curious. And she's like, oh, all right. So Dr. Mommy goes back to the top secret medical facility. Now, the top secret medical facility is run by this doctor who we'll call Dr. Bad Guy. Because, my God, this guy is playing the villain so hard, he might as well be wearing a top hat and twirling his mustache. That much said, it's a good performance, but it's a bit over-directed and a bit one-dimensional for a while here. He's just like, muhahaha, this is the future, muhahaha. We don't care about these fetuses. If they do not take, we flush them down the toilet bowl. We put them down the incinerator. We throw them off the top of the building to make them go in the parking lot. Still, there's not, you know, she goes and she begs to get her job back. And he's like, well, if you grovel and, you know, because I'm evil. And she's like, grovel, grovel. And he's like, mm, okay, please dispose of all these fetuses. That's her job now. She's involved in the project, but she's pretty much on fetus disposal. Now, we realize what Dr. Bad Guy is doing. Dr. Bad Guy is picking up these women who are caught trying to cross the Mexican border into the United States illegally. He brings them in and he basically says, listen, you have a choice. You can let us implant this embryo inside of you. And if you bring it to full term and the baby is born, you will be an American citizen for the rest of your life. Or you could say no and you can go back to Mexico and we will make sure that you will never, ever, ever be able to come here again and neither will anybody in your family. So of course all these women are agreeing to do it. So more immoral stuff. You know, like, <laughs> this is ridiculous Silence of the Lamb-esque scene with Dr. Bad Guy. He's, he's dissecting an embryo, a fetus. I don't know, I guess. I'm just going to call it an embryo for the sake of it. That didn't take in his office and he's got Ave Maria playing. Ave Maria. While he's carving it up and it's just very Hannibal Lecter, you know, when he's carving the face off of that cop. And so now the Dr. Mommy, she's being torn in two directions. Oh, this is immoral on a Christian level and now it's immoral on a on a human level. What they're doing to this women, these women are awful. But she stays. She stays. So he comes along. Dr. Bad Guy comes along. He's like, hello, Dr. Mommy. Here's another plate of embryos for you to stick a toothpick in and serve at a cocktail party. A shrimp cocktail. No, that's not what he says. But that would be disgusting. Ew. But it's 24 of them. They're healthy, but there's no one to implant them in. So Dr. Mommy gets this bright idea. I can't conceive. These are healthy embryos that need someone to be implanted in. <gasps> Why don't I steal one? So she does. She steals one. And here's the thing. That morning, we had seen the implantation process on one of these Mexican women. She's tied down, and even though she's anesthetized, she's still screaming in pain. As they're using this huge, like, three-foot-long needle with a camera on it to implant the fetus in her uterus. And it's just really grisly and really unpleasant. And seems extremely difficult. However, Dr. Mommy is such an amazing doctor that she steals the embryo, goes to the ladies' room, sits down in the stall, takes a three-foot needle, sticks it in her own hooch, and just plants that embryo in there and goes back to work. No anesthesia, no camera. She knew exactly where her ovaries was. She knew exactly where that thing needed to go. And the thing is, too, she's got this look on her face while she's doing it. Like, la, 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 la. Summer breeze makes me feel fine. Blow into the jasmine. Woo! In my mind. That was a little prick that she got. Well, not a little prick. Shut up. You know what I'm talking about. 
So lo and behold, it takes. She's going to have a baby. And we flash forward a bit. All these Mexican women are losing the babies. They, you know, they come to like nine months and the babies just uh, miscarry. But however, she goes into labor. Oh my gosh, the baby's coming. The baby's coming. The same time the baby's being born, her husband is killed in a car accident. And when the baby comes out, it has this weird birthmark on its forehead like an upside down cross. I know, subtle, right? Now, up until this point, it's been fairly laughable. I started to figure out very quickly that this was a horror movie made by a, like a, a, I don't know, a Christian group because the Christian morality of it was coming across really, really hard. The cloning is bad. Disposing of embryos is bad. Abortion is bad. Sin, sin, sin. So I think I know where the rest of the movie is going. I'm completely wrong because now the baby's born. We flash forward eight years. And we're watching this news broadcast, and my jaw's on the floor because I said, I didn't expect to be here because guess what? It's the apocalypse, like right now. Although it seems to be the American apocalypse. The government has collapsed. The economy has collapsed. Uh, martial law is in effect. Food is being rationed and not very well, so people are starving. People are, you know, rebelling. And on top of this, there's this plague going around. You know, you start to get these spots all over your body, and it will eventually kill you. It's actually so bad. Hey, remember when Sarah Palin and all those people were proposing to build that wall between the United States and Mexico to keep Mexicans from coming in across the border? Well, it's been built. Except it's been built by Mexico to keep Americans from coming over there with their nasty plague. So I said, okay, this is not where I expected it to be. And this is where the movie takes a sharp turn. It became a very different movie. Because now her son is eight years old, and he's peculiar. Big surprise. Um, you know, a mouse. his friend, the mouse, gets caught in a trap. He brings it back to life. He's able to make sick people well. But, of course, around all this, the world's collapsing. There's violence everywhere, and um, she's, trying to get, she's trying to get back to Dr. Bad Guy for some reason. I forget what her logic was. Um, I think it's because, well, it's his baby. I don't know. Maybe he knows why he's able to do all these things. So she tracks down Dr. Bad Guy. Well, in the interim, Dr. Bad Guy is now Dr. Super Good Guy because he's realized the error of his ways and he's become this fundamental Christian and not in a good way, like the scary kind. Like all he does is preach apocalypse and death and blood and hell and burning and sin and all this other stuff. Now he's got this lovely wife and this lovely daughter and they see that he's going mad. And this is where it gets scary. This scene, these scenes with him now were genuinely uncomfortable because he is reading the Bible. He reads the story of Isaac about how God told Isaac to sacrifice his son. And he says, that's what I need to do. I need to give my family back to the Lord because the world is so awful now. It's the right thing to do. And the next 10 minutes is him stalking and killing his family. His beautiful, tiny little girl. Extremely chilling merciless but then it turns out he goes to like get a shovel to bury the body and he comes back and the bodies are gone just piles of clothes there hey guess what it's the rapture how about that but it's not the rapture like everybody expected that everybody was going to go at once no when people die either they disappear or they don't in the meantime everybody suffers kind of a cleansing process now <laughs> this is not a good movie it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Unfortunately, it's not laughably bad. 
But this turn halfway through brought it to a place that I wasn't expecting, and all of a sudden I sat up and I was paying attention for the rest of the film. Now, unfortunately, as I said in that other episode, the movie spoils itself with the title. You already know what the big surprise is. Now you might be wondering, well, what makes you think what makes them think that this little boy is Jesus? Well, I'll tell you why they think he's Jesus. Because in addition to be able to resurrect the dead and heal the sick, turns out he was cloned from the blood of Christ. I'm not spoiling anything because it was in the trailer. Whether or not you heard it or not, that's my problem. But let me believe me, it's in there. And he said, Well, how did that happen? How did they get their hands on the blood of Christ? Here's a fundamental problem with the movie. Dr. Bad Guy says, or Dr. Good Guy, depending on what part of the movie you're thinking, we cloned him. We cloned him from genetic material that was obtained from the Shroud of Turin. The Shroud that was placed on Jesus' face in the tomb. It's his blood on there. It's Christ's blood on the Shroud of Turin. I thought, wait a minute. If I'm not mistaken, the Shroud of Turin was declared officially a hoax a good 20 years ago. That it was like, I don't know, 1,200 years too young to possibly have been around in biblical times when they genetically coded it. You know, that, that, that age, you know what I'm talking about. But regardless, he thinks it's the blood of Christ. Obviously it's not, because A, it's a hoax, and B, the movie already told us he's not Jesus, mommy. So let's just say everybody here is wrong, nobody's right on pretty much any moral issue. And that's something that I liked about the movie. Like I said, it's not good. I don't exactly recommend it, but even though it's made by a Christian corporation or, or organization or whatever, the morality of it, although it was forced down your throat in the first half, is turned on its head in the second because the, the Dr. Bad Guy becomes Dr. Good Guy, like I said, but he's so good, he's bad again. Yeah, he murders his family to send them to Jesus, but it turns out he did send them to Jesus. So is it right or is it wrong? Dr. Mommy, I mean, she, she participated in this cloning thing. She stole an embryo to save its life and to fulfill her as a woman or whatever you want to say. But instead of saving a life, she gave birth to the Antichrist. So every good thing is countered by a bad thing. Every bad thing is countered by a good thing. And it leaves you something to talk about if you were to talk about it. So I could see this movie being made for like high school groups, you know, Christian high school groups or discussion groups, and then have tons to talk about afterwards. So I applaud them for that, to be perfectly honest. Do I recommend it? No. no. If you're bored, check it out. And uh, the, the biggest problem with it is that it, what, what caught my attention about it in the first place is it's shocking, shocking lack of punctuation in the title. There is no comma. And I'm not Jesus, mommy. So it's not, I'm not Jesus, mommy. It's, I'm not Jesus, mommy. It becomes one word in my head. I don't know what Jesus, mommy is. I don't know who that is. Is it like baby daddy? I don't know. Who cares? So I'm not Jesus, mommy. Eh, it's not crap, but it ain't good either. I'm not Jesus, mommy. I'm not a good movie, Patrick. Ah, that was terrible. Let's play some music. Satan is real, working in spirit. You can see him and hear him in this world every day. Satan is real, working with power. He can tempt you and lead. I attended service at a little church in the country not long ago. A prayer was led by an old country preacher who then raised his hands as everyone stood and sang, My God is Real. A warm breeze through the open windows brought in the 
smell of new mown hay in a nearby field, and the singing of birds could be heard in the moment of silence as the preacher opened his Bible to read. And then a little old man stood up, bent with age, his hair thin and white, and said, Preacher, tell them that Satan is real too. You can hear him in songs that give praise to idols and sinful things of this world. You can see him in the destruction of homes torn apart. I know that Satan is real, for once I had a happy home. I was loved and respected by my family. I was looked upon as a leader in my community. And then Satan came into my life. I grew selfish and unneighborly. My friends turned against me. And finally, my home was broken apart. My children took their paths into a world of sin. Yes, preacher, it's sweet to know that God is real and to know that in him all things are possible. And we know that heaven is a real place where joys shall never end. But sinner friend, if you're here today, Satan is real too. And hell is a real place, a place of everlasting punishment. The Halloween season is upon us, my beautiful screamers, and there are so many different ways to celebrate. You know, you can go see a horror movie, or you can, I don't know, go bother trick-or-treaters, or go to a haunted house, or you can go to a cabaret show. What? You say? Well, it came to my attention on the Facebook about a week ago from my friend, the, uh, the industrious and yet somehow elusive Mr. Doug Shapiro, that he was involved in a CD recording of a show called Halloween Hullabaloo. And I said, hmm, that sounds potentially stupid. So I clicked on the link, I listened to some of the music, and I got a huge kick out of it. I liked it so much that I got the person who wrote it to come here on the show right now to talk about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, may I introduce to you Miss Jennifer Weingartner. Monsters everywhere. Mummies in my garden. Monsters everywhere. Werewolves on my roof. Monsters everywhere. Hello, Patrick. Hi, Jennifer. How are you doing? Great. Happy Halloween month. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. So, uh, you have no idea, listeners, how much trouble I had getting together with Jennifer to make this call. Hey, now, I hope you're not blaming me. No, I'm not. It was my fault. It was absolutely my fault. Well, they know what's been going on. I've been having more problems with this site and with my computer. Actually, I'm using someone else's computer right now because mine blew up yesterday. So, you're cheating on your other computer with this computer to talk oh, yeah. to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it feels so good. Just don't. Oh, my gosh. I hope, I hope my computer doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> It's always better when it's a little elusive. Yeah, so Jennifer, tell us about yourself just a little bit. Well, um, I am originally from the great state of Pennsylvania. Where oh, I was born. Are you yeah. Amish? 
Well, uh, no, not officially, but I was raised in the Amish country. Okay. So, and, and I went to college in the Amish country where uh, you'd wake up with a hangover and hear carriages clip-clopping by to mm. church on the mornings. Mm-hmm. This is for my own personal amusement, but what part of Amish country? I, I did a season out there. Oh, well, this is a, a town called Mukunji, which is uh, outside of Allentown. No, I worked at uh, uh, Allenberry in Boiling Springs near uh, Carlisle. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's deep in the, in the Amish country. I love me the Amish. My summer with the Amish was amazing. So <laughs> uh, anyway, back to your story. Okay, so um, and by Mukunji? Yeah, Mukunji. Or, or as we called it, Mugrunji. Oh, you should probably take that out. That's not very nice to the town. Um, but I was going to say it sounds like a lost character from The Lion King. McGrungy. <laughs> you don't even, even know where you live anymore. <laughs> Maybe I'll leave this in. Who knows? This is gold. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so and uh, after spending all of my formative years in Pennsylvania, I uh, you know came to New York City with $200 and a dream, rode the Bieber bus. Uh-huh. Uh, now I'm living the dream. All right. Yeah. Okay, working with Doug Shapiro. Does it get any better than that? You might be a zombie, and buddy, that's okay. Zombies are people, bones and blood and veins. You don't have to feel guilty just cause you... Well, Doug and I met uh, doing uh, Christmas caroling. Mm. Yeah. Yes, I've heard all about his Christmas caroling. I'm sure. Well, he's got a beautiful bass voice. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Are we, are we talking about him? No, we're talking about you, Jennifer. So I saw from your bio, you do a lot of murder mysteries, those interactive murder mysteries. I do. In fact, I spent a lot of uh, years in uh, as a young actress m- making a living doing murder mysteries mm-hmm. for a variety of companies. So I've been, I've been shot, I've been stabbed, poisoned multiple times. I was even once uh, in a, uh, an interactive mystery, I was killed by a werewolf. Okay. Okay, yeah. I was going to say thank you for clarifying that those were all actually in the mystery and that it just wasn't the cast trying to get rid of you. Yeah. Well, Jennifer Weingart is very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> no, I used to do, I've done tons of murder mysteries too. I wrote for them. I've worked for tons of companies. So we have that in common, Jennifer. Oh, that's funny. And, and uh, Robin Williams also. We've both done a scene. Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. That's well, you know. Yes. And something else we have in common, Jennifer. What's that? We like musicals and Halloween. Yes. So tell me about the Halloween Hullabaloo. Halloween Hullabaloo actually started in uh, 1998 as a more traditional cabaret show that I did with two friends of mine, Brooks Braselman and Eliza Lowy. And uh, we pulled together all kinds of spooky songs. You know, Tom Lehrer, we did Michael Jackson's Thriller, Mm -hmm. and things written by other people because we wanted to do something spooky for Halloween. And we did it uh, under another name for about five years. And as the years went on, I started writing songs and skits and rewriting lyrics to songs. And then in 2002, we put it in a drawer. And then uh, I realized in 2009, I thought, there's a lot of good stuff in that drawer. And I mm-hmm. should pull it. And I took out everything that uh, everyone else had written. And I kept just what I had written. And I had about 20. Add a girl. Add a girl. Who needs these other people? It's all about me now. Please continue. No, no, no. I I wrote to them first. Oh, sure, sure, sure. No, 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 no. I'm going to believe you now. (laughs) No, I I did. Okay. Yeah. I I said, you know, do you mind if I just take my stuff and and make a show? And they they wanted no part of it. So. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. I went ahead and I found. um, 
not not to knock your project, but one of the reasons, one of the other reasons, I was hesitant to click on it to check it out was the use of the word hullabaloo. And I'll tell you why. Tell me why. It's one of my favorite words. Oh. You're promising a lot if you're promising me a hullabaloo. <laughs> because there's only one thing better than a hullabaloo, and that's a hootenanny. A hootenanny. Yeah, and what I heard was pretty hullabalooish, so well done, Jennifer. Thank you. You also need some shenanigans in there. Well, naturally, shenanigans. I'm bringing my own shenanigans with me. You are. That's yes. true. Now, one thing that surprised me, I saw you're, you're touring with it, so I say. Well, not so much a tour, but people have, have found it on the internet and asked me if they could do it. Oh, so, so you're, do, you're, you're doing private booking, so to speak, but all over the country. Yeah, well, I mean, they're doing it. I just send them the script. Oh, okay, 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 I get it now. Okay, yeah. the thing that surprised me, though, when I was looking at the page, we'll, we'll get into, we'll get it, we'll give out all that information in a bit, folks. Calm down, calm down, they're chomping at the bit. Can you hear them? I do. The rabid little bastards. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I love you guys, but that, it had that warning at the bottom that it was not for children under 13. Well, I'll tell you what, um, my husband and I write children's music, mm-hmm. and... A lot of the time, people think that it's going to be for kids, mm-hmm. and it's it's not really explicit. I mean, it's not dirty, but it's definitely adult, and it uses some adult language. So I didn't want our children's theater fans or our children's music fans to be fooled into thinking, oh, this is for my kid, and be okay. listening to a three-year-old and hear Snow White called a biatch. <gasps> How dare you? I know. How dare you? That's not enough for her, shacking See? up with seven guys she doesn't even know. I met them in the woods. <laughs> She's a hoe and a bitch. Precisely. Yes. The thing that, it sh- that impressed me too, well, I was confused when I listened to it. Initially when I was listening to it, I'm thinking children's theater because I saw that. That is you in the adorable little pumpkin costume. No, that's one of my actresses. That's Elise Beyer. She's one of oh. the singers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, I, no, I saw the picture of the actress in the pumpkin suit, which is adorable. And I said, oh, okay. It's a kid's show. And I listened to the music, and I said, it's not, not a kid's show, but it's really verbal. Yeah. It's too verbal for kids. See? And I wondered, huh, what's the market? And then I said, hmm, hmm. So I was wondering if there was going to be filth in it, but so it's not that kind of adult. No, no, it's not filthy at all. It's damn just it. a little, damn it, just a little, <laughs> it's a little, you know, edgy. And, and there's some stuff in the show, too, some language here and there. And it talks about adult things, like, um, you know, there's a song called Scary Monster, where there's a monster who's scared to come out from under the bed. Aww. And he conquers his fear, but then the reason he goes, but then he, he's like, screw this. This world is full of pedophiles and terrorists, and I'm going to go back under the bed, because it's just better there. A monster's not a monster if that monster isn't horrible. So I am not a monster if you think that I'm adorable. I'm noises in the hallway. I'm shadows on the wall. I'm being okay. So it sounds almost like it's going to be a children's song, but then it kind of turns on its head at the end. Well, yes, yes. Pedophilia doesn't usually wind up. Yeah. yeah. No. No. And moms and dads out there in the American Family Theater tour of you know Wind in the Willows, it doesn't really jump in. Yeah. <laughs> now the CD is for sale. Am I correct, Jennifer? Yes, of course. That is fantastic. Now, if someone would be interested in hearing clips from it and possibly purchasing it, where can they go to find out more? Well, it is on iTunes, and uh, you can also find it on CD Baby. And if you want to know more about it in general, uh, there's a website called uh, www.halloweenhullabaloomusical.com. Ah, 
Uh, HalloweenHullabaloo.com was taken by a costume company. Lord knows where that's going to take you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's not what I imagine when I think of a hullabaloo. And, well, um, yeah, so this tour, like, there are individual performances around the country. Since I got listeners all over, they might be interested in seeing it because I think it's great for the young person in your life who's not that young. You're budding drama queen. Well, uh, or just, you could take your mom. You could take your mom. You know who it's for? I think it's for people who... I mean, people who have kids, but people who don't have kids, so they don't get pulled into all that, the trick-or-treating stuff necessarily, or going uh, to your kid's Halloween show. Right. And also, it's for people who don't necessarily like love haunted houses, so maybe that's no one listening to this, but... Well, no, you know, you, Jennifer, you would be surprised. It's, uh, it's the camp of Halloween. I love... It's campy, big pumpkins and vampires and... All that lovely whimsy. Exactly. An imagination that you don't get any other time of the year. Okay, well, that's fantastic, Jennifer. We're going to go out listening to a cut from the album Halloween Hullabaloo. And, oh my goodness, it's the title song. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on and hanging out with me for a little bit. Thank you so much, Patrick. I really appreciate it. You are welcome back anytime. Oh, yeah. I'll bring that Doug Shapiro. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Promises, promises. Now get the fuck off my show. (laughs) (laughs) I'll see you in hell. You'll be frightened and mistrusting. You will laugh, that's for sure. You may vomit, it's disgusting. You'll scream until you're sore in this hullabaloo. A hullabaloo, a Halloween hullabaloo. Woo! It's not deja vu or a switch So in case you haven't gotten enough Halloween hijinks this episode, I heard about this little getaway, you know, especially designed for people like us, you know, well, actually, it's not for people at all. Well, it's the Hotel Transylvania. Maybe you heard about it. I don't know why I'm Paul Lynn now, but I figured, hey, a vacation to a creepy resort in the middle of nowhere populated with vampires, monsters, ghouls, and ghosts? What better company to have? Well, my gosh, he hasn't been on the show in so long, and I know you've been screaming for him. That's right. It's the one, the only, Mr. Brad. Hi, Mr. Brad. 
it's good to be here, and it is good to talk about my vacation, this Hotel Transylvania, and the fact that all my best friends were there, you know, monsters. Blah, 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 blah. That was, wow, that was the worst Dracula I have ever heard in my entire life. Well done, honey. Blah, 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 blah. Bob, I do not say blah, 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 blah. I do not say blah, 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 blah. I go blah, 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 blah. I know it's been out for a while, but the Hotel Transylvania is the latest 3D animated feature. I don't know if it's from DreamWorks. I don't know who the fuck it's from. Maybe Sony. Who gives a crap? And uh, it's about a, you know, a hotel for vampires and monsters and where they're safe to go and no humans are allowed. A wonderful movie for kids. Yes, or immature adults. You know, like me. And me. It was a perfect match. Yeah, we had nothing to do one night, so we went to see it. I had low expectations, and I really got a kick out of it. It's very, very cute. Not scary at all. Not scary at all. Although, I had to say, if I had known that Adam Sandler was the voice of Dracula, I might not have gone. No. I hate him. But I think... He did an excellent job. He was great. He was great. Actually, there's a whole celebrity cast, and I think they all did a really good job. And the thing I loved was that CeeLo Green is the voice of the mummy, and even the mummy has those weird little fucking stub arms that he has. What is that? You have nothing to add, Bradford. Nothing, no. Bradford's been shocked no, in the silence. What, I mean, what can you say other than stubby arms? Yeah, well, you could say anything. Because it's an audio podcast and they can't see your, the funny faces that you're making. Yes, the things, the things that we talk about, the things that we've, t- we've took out of the movie is that since then, we've been going blah, 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 blah around the apartment. Because <laughs> apparently that's what all people think Dracula says whenever he says anything. Every, Dracula, blah, 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 blah. And every human that he runs into, like, oh, my God, you're Count Dracula. Ooh, I'm Count Dracula, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> to which he always says. I do not say blah, 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 blah. I have never said blah, 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 blah. It's a running joke. We do it around the house every day. Especially when Patrick comes out of the bathroom. I go, oh, no, you went blah, 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 blah. And he goes, no, I did not go blah, 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 blah. I have never gone blah, 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 blah in my life. Thank you. That's disgusting. The other thing I learned from this movie, this valuable lesson that I learned from this movie, is that the Invisible Man is really bad at charades. Something I never thought about before. This is true. Yeah, I never thought about the plight of the Invisible what, Man. Looking through a, uh, through a looking glass? <laughs> yes, that's right, he's, he's giving clues. He's just got glasses, just glasses floating, and everybody guessing is like, nothing, blankness, nothing, air, nothing, through the glass hand, glass rims, horn rim glasses, through the looking glass, glass, nothing, clear, transparent, cellophane. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I'm so bad at this game. I don't remember who the voice was. I don't know why I'm always playing. (laughs) I loved The Invisible Man. He was my favorite. He was my favorite. There's some dirty jokes in here, too, but it's a great little movie. I liked it. It's probably out of the theaters by now. But you know what? Here's the thing. The 3D wasn't super important. You're not missing anything if you see it in 2D because it's just adorable. That's very true. Yes. And speaking of, you know, crazy trips... To crazy places, doing crazy things. Bradford and I participated in an event a couple of weeks ago called the Fabulous Race. Amazing race. It was really the amazing race, but more fabulous. fabulous. Yes, it's a joke that I've made several times in the show already, but you know what? It's not a joke. It's truth. It just was. Fabulous. Uh, it was put on by um, the guys from, well, they're volunteers for Next Gen. 
And Next Gen is part of the Trevor Project. And if you don't know what the Trevor Project is, the Trevor Project is an organization that helps at-risk teenagers. Um, you know, they're having suicidal thoughts. There's a suicide hotline. There's resources. It's a wonderful webpage. And there's all kinds of information there. And this was just a group put, uh, this was an event put on by Rob from Next Gen. He put it all together. He's the mastermind behind it. And and the real purpose is to really to create an awareness of the Trevor Project, mm-hmm. to kind of walk in the shoes of somebody that might have been at risk or at risk, and to just increase exposure. And I have a hell of a lot of fabulous fun doing it. I heard about it literally like two days before. My friend Jacob, who sings in the New York City Gay Men's Chorus, who is also a volunteer at Next Gen, hence the Trevor Project, he mentioned, it's two days of the Fabulous Race, blah, blah, blah. And of course my ears went, Fabulous Race? What's that? That sounds like some sort of fun thing. And it had a little link to the page, and I went, I'm like, oh my God, Bradford, we have to go. And of course he's just like, all right. I was trying to see if I had any heels that would, you know, work or anything like that. You would have died in heels. You would have died in heels. But so it's set up. We went, we had no idea what we were in for, who we were meeting except for Jacob. And it was just a couple of teams, like five, six teams. Yeah, it was five or six. Yeah. I mean, my first fear was, of course, that we were going to all be r- rushed off, put into the back of a van, and sold into white slavery. You should be so lucky. You should be so lucky. You'd be like, ugh, how much did you pay for me? I'm worth twice that. Fair. But anyway, uh, it, it was fun just because it was part scavenger hunt and part solving clues. Um, the main part of it was, you know, I had a race around the city solving all these tr- clues that had some connection to either gay history or the Trevor Project or um, at-risk youth. Or at-risk youth. Now that sounds weird, but I'll get into that a little bit later. But also we had supplementary scavenger hunt item clues. And those added, you know, they took time away from your final score because it was a race to get to this bar, uh, the Stonewall Bar, the world famous Stonewall Bar. And, you know, whatever your time was, was your time. But if you completed things on the scavenger hunt list, you'd have time deducted. Now, not to be confused, I know exactly where the bar is. I oh, we all know. The fastest way to the bar. Oh, yeah. And this beeline. Unfortunately, you had to do, you know, these stops in between. And right, you could just not skip, skip any spots, even if you knew the fastest way to the vodka. No way. No, you had to you go, had just to go like the Amazing Race, you got clues. The clues led you to the next clue, to the next clue, to the next clue. And meanwhile, we're trying to put all these scavenger hunt things into effect. Now, our team name, we decided that we were wearing our Scream Queens t-shirts. Yay! Because we figured if we could spread awareness about the Trevor because Project. we're queens with a Z. <laughs> with a Z, we could spread awareness about the show, which we did. And uh, we got there, and they're like, okay, so everybody pick a team name. And I'm like, well, we could be the Scream Queens. Uh, I'm thinking, what's going on in the news right now? How about the butt chuggers? Yeah, yeah butt chuggers. Yeah, I don't know how much, how global... Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know how much this hit global news, but there was a whole big scandal. Some fraternity in Alabama. Somebody got sent to the hospital because they were butt chugging. And butt chugging is a practice that's been going on for a while. Usually with high schoolers, it's basically using alcohol as an enema. Now, high schoolers do it because you don't wind up with booze on your breath when you either go home late at night or you go into class. But these guys got busted. You got sent to the hospital. And you had this lawyer on national TV talking about butt chugging. And for a while, all the news anchors on every station were talking about the dangers of butt chugging. And just to hear, I don't know, Sue Simmons or whatever talking about butt chugging, it just made me laugh. So butt chugging was our name, the butt chuggers. And anyway, so we, we, it was a fun, fun, fun race. You know, we got to, I got to see, I learned a lot about the city, to be perfectly honest. I had no idea about that little red lighthouse. 
Little Red Lighthouse. You mean the one underneath? The, the George, George Washington, Washington Bridge. Bridge. I had no Whoa. idea that was there. It was like a guiding light. The one that you take the A train Oh, yeah, see? To? Well, here's the thing. The butt chuggers, we lived up to our name because we chugged butt. You want to talk about how we did? How's dead last sound here? Dead last by about 17 hours. We would suck on the Amazing no, Race. No, no, no. It's because you called somebody that was at the festival. Yeah, there was the a festival at the Little Red Lighthouse. And they said, take the one, two, or three. And I'm going, no, no, it's the A train. Yeah, you didn't we say it loud enough, Bradford. We you didn't say it loud enough. And then you let, and then Bradford's like, let's get off the train. Let's go back. Oh, no, we got to get back on this. So, yeah, by the time we get up there, we're already in last, and we never really made up ground. But you know what? It was about fun, and we had a lot of fun. And it was funny, too, because we were trying to do all these scavenger hunt things. Now, we've got photos and video from the scavenger hunt because some of the things are just priceless. Like, we had to get a picture with Wonder Woman, whatever that might mean. We had to get video of us dancing on the subway for 30 seconds, and that's priceless. We had to get a picture with a celebrity. Now, the whole thing was... You, you couldn't find a real celebrity. Now, I know Patrick himself is a celebrity. Yes. But if you couldn't find a real celebrity, you had to find something that was very close or, or life size. Life size, yeah. Yes, life size. So we happened to find the Wax Museum and took pictures with Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Yes. We uh, also had to uh, engage a tourist holding a map. Yeah. Uh, in a tango. Yeah, in Welcome to New York Tango, which we also have a video of. Now, we did really good on the scavenger hunt thing. We got quite a few things on the scavenger hunt. And the last option, we would have gotten 40 minutes off of our time if we had shaved our heads. If both of us shaved our heads. Which we were going to do. Yeah. The whole idea was that, you know, people who are going, you know, at-risk teens or going through crisis like this, they often feel really self-conscious and self-aware and embarrassed about themselves. So, in, you know, in order, in a sign of empathy, shave your heads. And you get 40 minutes. At that point, however, we... We added up all of the bonus time. We could have done everything on that list twice, and we still would have been two hours behind anybody else. Because we took... We, we took the wrong train. And you know, number one. And if you want to know who this person was that gave this horrible advice, well, he's come up several times in this show Doug Shapiro. Doug, Doug Shapiro, Shapiro from Halloween Hullabaloo. That's right, from Halloween Hullabaloo. Fucked us up. Doug Shapiro, who's too damn important to come on this show because he's scared of horror movies. He also is apparently scared of giving good giving subway advice, goddammit. And the A train. And the A train. The express train right to the George Washington Bridge, cutting out 35 minutes of long, slow, local stops on the number one. Uh, Thank you, Doug. Uh-huh. Bitch. We were so far behind that they called us at a certain point. They're like, where are you guys? I'm like, we're trying to find... Oh, let's see, it was kind of a cheat because the last clue we had to deliver something to the headquarters of the trevor project now a lot of these people work for the trevor project and they volunteer with next gen so they knew where it was however it was saturday and they're not listed on the internet we googled and we googled and we googled we even called the suicide hotline we're like where is it like we can't tell you i'm like well we're fucked then apparently the clue was on the envelope i mean that the address was on the envelope that the clue came in but we didn't notice that but that's not the point but at that point i gave given up they called me at the same time i was calling it quit it's like so why don't you just come back to the bar i'm like 
Why is everybody there? They're like, yeah, the yeah, way- we're all drunk. We're, we're all drunk. Drunk. We're the, drunk. The people who won are long gone. They're drunk and gone home. So we we're got going back to dinner, but <laughs> and it was fun. It was funny. We didn't even get to drink when we were there, but everybody went out to dinner afterwards, and we met some of the other contestants, including this couple named Juan and his boyfriend Sean. And Sean was telling, they were great. Sean actually took the postcard for the show, so I hope you're listening, Sean, because he was just telling stories, and I don't even remember how we got on the topic, but he was like, I just remember the first time I took Juan to my parents' house. It was like the first time we met, and I'm feeling comfortable because I'm at home. So I farted. And Juan just looked at me and goes, oh, no, in front of my mother, and said, oh, no, he just aborted our baby. Yes. I was scandalized. I was scream laughing for I don't know how long. First of all, I just want to say I was mortified in the restaurant, being in a restaurant where at a table of someone that had aborted a fetus. Well, I I was actually aborting my dinner out through my nose because I had a mouthful of something. So like spaghetti's flying out my nose, which was weird because I didn't have spaghetti. But anyway, I know what a southern man I am. And I was just, please, Jesus, please, God. I, I was shocked and horrified. Yeah, and you were laughing harder than anybody. But first of all, I'm like, okay, so just, I was farting. He just, he just admitted to an entire table full of gay men that he just met that he farted, which is a big thing. I'm like, that's at home, but at home in front I, of their parents. No, I get it. Well, I get it. He was at home. He felt comfortable, but he just told a whole table full of strangers that he farted. But then segued into this abortion story, and the two things were so outrageously funny and shock scared me. Sucks. I mean. Sh- Shocked me into such blah, 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 blah. excuse me. Shocked me into such horrified laughter that I've got one thing to say to you, Sean, is that you are the scream queen of the week. Bravo, bravo, Sean. Now I realize you probably have yes, yeah. Well, shush down. Huh? Now we got to explain things to him. Now, Sean, this is a very, very, very prestigious prize. Very, very prestigious prize. Because the thing is, you just won the official Scream Queens tiara. Yay! Yeah, no, Yay. no, no. That's the thing. That's the thing. It's kind of like having your cake and eating too. You won the tiara, but you can't have it because all tiaras are mine forever. Maybe had we come in better in the race, you would have the tiara. But no, you wouldn't. They're all mine, 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 mine. You'd probably just uh, give it to your next baby anyway, your you next know, ass I, baby. I, I, I'm going to get back to this. It, you know, it's perfectly okay to fart on a podcast. Oh, my God. It is so okay to fart you on get, a podcast. You says the man who but farted you, on my podcast. But you cannot, 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 cannot just fart in front of your mother. Well, apparently they have a different familial relation. Like your mother would just like, well, she's already disowned you several times, but you know, I don't know what they would do. But regardless, I want to give a huge thank you to everybody who helped put this um, fabulous race together because it was a really, really, really fun Saturday afternoon learning about my city, getting to meet new people, learning about this organization. So thank you, Rob. For, for being the mastermind behind, behind all of this. Thank you, Jacob, from the New York City Game Men's Court and from NextGen for letting me know about it. Thanks you to the, all the cool people that we met. And uh, if you need to know about the Trevor Project, head on over to the trevorproject.org. Uh, I'm going to have an email address in the show notes if you want to get in contact with them if you're having troubles because they can help. You know why? Because they're fabulous! Yay! Thank you, honey. And by the way, yes. next time, yes. we have the haunted house to talk about, right? Yes, we. Bradford and I actually did go see a haunted house already. Yes, thank you for bringing this up. We went to see the Nightmare House this year, which I said I wasn't going to do this year. And this year, it was called. It was all about serial killers. And I have to say, right off the bat, 
It was a killer. It was a killer, but I'm just, we're just, we're, this show's already running long, so I'm bumping it to next week, having us talk about it. But I do want to say that if you're in the, if you're in the New York City area this year, it's, it's worth fabulous. a check in. It's wonderful. It's a it's really great. good house. It was really and thoughtful. I can't, I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can get, show. yeah, I can't, uh, I'm going to see if I can get John Hark on to at least talk, tell us some of the stuff that he told us. Tell that. Tell, tell you guys some of the stuff that he told us. Can you tell that we've been out drinking? Well, a little bit of drinking. Well, we haven't. We're, it's a total lie. I don't know what you've heard. Liars! Liars! Thank you, honey. Halloween, and this is a fresh release coming out for the season. It's the first big horror movie to hit the the silver screens this October. Not counting that, you know, house at the end of my butt thing, because no, just no. But uh, I want to give you a spoiler-free discussion of the upcoming movie. Well, now it's probably out, but the movie Sinister, starring Ethan Hawke. Let's take a listen to the trailer. I didn't want to move here. We couldn't afford to live in the old house anymore. Plus, the new story I'm writing is here. Is the story a good one this time? I'm going to write the best book that anybody's ever read. I got a really good feeling about this. (laughs) You gotta be kidding me. Finley hanging out. Barbecue 79. That's the family who lived here. You think these are serial murders? I don't know. First one I found dates back to the 60s. The only link between all these cases is the symbol. Okay, so Sinister is the story of Ethan Hawke, who is a, a true crime author. He hasn't had a hit novel in a while, and he's moved into this house where a tragedy has recently happened. A family 
has been all simultaneously killed. A daughter, their youngest daughter is missing, and uh, nobody has been convicted or arrested for the crime. It's a big, big mystery thing. So that's what he's here to do. He's there to solve it. And, well, he finds these movies in the attic, and he watches the movies, and you know what? Now I'm going to get into spoiler territory. It's better the little, the less you know, the better. And I'm very glad that I did not watch the trailers when they came on TV. I deliberately kind of turn around or would leave the room because I just had the feeling they were going to spoil too much. And you know what? They do. There's way too much in the trailers that doesn't need to be in the trailers. But that much said, I got a kick out of Sinister. It's, it's got its problems. It's got some serious problems. But overall, the mood of it is really, really, really oppressive and unpleasant in a good way. Um, I went with my friend Don, uh, who I used to do shows with out in California, in Oceano, California, at the Great American Melodrama, and he's supposed to be sitting down and talking about this movie with me, but he's not because he's a rat bastard. I love him, but he's a bastard. Yeah, it's this whole Frankie and Johnny thing between us, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're just too young. It's not a gay thing, because he's a big heterosexual. Yeah, I do have some friends like that, and yeah, they do do musical theater. Who knew? But are we talking about him? No. We're not. We'll talk about him later. Instead, we'll talk about something that will alienate me even further from the younger people that I just made fun of from not knowing who Frankie and Johnny was. Every time I hear the title Sinister, I'm brought back to that old arcade game Sinistar. It wasn't a very popular one. It was definitely a B-tier level of 80s arcade games, but I always got a kick out of it, except I hated it and I loved it at the same time, because I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It was impossible to win. It was kind of like Galaga, and these spaceships were building this big space station that basically had a devil face on it, and if they completed it, it would come to life, and it would basically kill you immediately, and there was nothing you could do about it. But the thing that was cool about it was that the Sinistar would talk. It was the first arcade game that I remember talking, and it would say things like, I am Sinistar. And beware, I live. And sometimes it'd be flying around and it would just say, I hunger. And every now and then when I'm hungry, I might say, I hunger. I hunger. And nobody knows what I'm talking about. And it really pisses me off. And you're probably thinking, well, you must be pissed off a lot, Patrick, because nobody ever knows what you're talking about. Thanks a lot. And you're absolutely right. Am I off topic? Yes, I am. But this is what happens when I can't actually talk about the movie that I'm talking about. But right off the start, the, the movie opens with this grisly shot of the family being killed. And I'm, you've already seen it in the trailer if you've watched it. But even if you know what's coming, it's surprisingly this very, very, very long, must be two, three minute long shot of them being killed. And it's this, this steady staring camera which makes it incredibly uncomfortable to watch. And there's a lot of that. Every time he finds a movie and puts on a new one, there's some new level of unpleasantness going on. It got to the point where, much like paranormal activity, there was a certain Pavlovian response conditioned into the audience because every time he reached in the box and took out another tin to put in the film projector, I was going, uh, and Don started making fun of me. He's like, you just keep saying, I've had enough, no more. I'm like, shut up, Don. Stop eating my milk duds. Because he's that kind of person. Uh, the, the, the big standout here, too, is the, the film soundtrack, which is incredibly odd. I don't even know how to describe it, but the, the soundtrack itself was unsettling, so it was making a lot of the stuff even more so.
You, sir, you, sir, can just stop that right now because you are freaking me the hell out, and I'm not even watching the movie. And just in case you're wondering, that is the soundtrack. That is not a dialogue track. That's all in the music, and there's a lot of that sort of thing. Just sometimes the voices are backwards and, and oddly edited, and it's just so freaking weird. And I'm having trouble to you know dancing around all these issues. So. Um, overall, like I said, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, you might not love it, because it, it ultimately... Here's the thing with movies like this. It starts so strongly and in such an intense manner that I know, I know, I know, once, they start, once you start to unravel what's going on, you'll be like, oh, okay. That's pretty scary, too. I guess because initially your imagination is going crazy. Like, what is going on? Who is doing this? What is doing this and why? And then you get the answer and you're like, okay, I, I could have come up with something better. Not that they come up with something bad because they come up with Mr. Boogie. And any villain named Mr. Boogie is all right by me. Mr. Boogie, he's gonna boogie in your butt. He's Mr. Boogie. Yes, Bradford chiming. Yes, boogie in my butt, Bradford. Well, not my butt, your butt. Shut up. You made me go in the red zone because I'm talking too loud now, you bastard. Anyway, the thing that kind of fell apart for me is that it's too long. There's some pacing problems because there's a huge amount of time with Ethan Hawke stumbling around the house in the pitch black without ever turning on a light. Once or twice, you see that the power has gone out, but you, it's not established every time. So at certain points, it's just like, turn on a fucking light, Ethan. This is why Uma Thurman left you. Allegedly. There's also some makeup issues when special effect makeup issues. They, it just didn't work for me. It worked for other people. I'm not going to get into more details than that, but you know, maybe in a couple of weeks when we can talk about this more freely, you'll agree with me or you won't, or I'll be able to say, I didn't like this bullshit, but I didn't like that bullshit. It weakened things for me. And I found the ending incredibly satisfying. Some people are not happy with the ending. I found it very satisfying on several levels. And I'll tell you about that someday too, maybe when you grow up. So, of course, when I go to the movies, I can't just talk about going to the movies, especially when it's a situation like this and it's so brand new out that I'd be, I would be remiss as a podcaster to talk much about the film, especially since I liked it. So, let's talk about shit that happened at the theater itself. Well, as you know, I went with my friend Don from California. Well, he's not from California. He's from cruise ships. He's from everywhere. He's a man without a home. He's a man without a country. He's a man without socks that aren't purple, which is something I just found out about him. And, you know, I, I don't know how I feel about that because it reminds me of that book, Harriet the Spy, because there was that one character she used to write about, the boy with the purple socks, who was so boring that nobody could remember his name. Except I remember Don's name. It's, it's Don. Don's name's Don. But, um, yeah, so we got there, and it was cool. We had to wait online for a while because this wasn't our super exclusive get whisked in type of screening. We did have to do some line waiting. So that didn't, you know, that took me down some cool points in his book. But, you know, pff, he works on a cruise ship. What does he know? And Don is a mischievous little devil. Now, if you've seen Matt LeBlanc on any talk shows recently, because he's got some show on Showtime, he talks frequently about the death hoax about him. Big, big news went around the world that Matt LeBlanc had been killed several years ago. You know who allegedly started that? Don. It was his birthday present. He came up with the idea. I put it out on social media. Allegedly. That's the kind of thing he does. 
So he got this thing in his head. And he's like, why don't we convince people that this isn't really Ethan Hawke in the movie? I said, what? He's like, yeah, just, just, just act like it's not Ethan Hawke. And it was crazy because at, at a certain point, he turns to the girl sitting next to him. He goes, my God, couldn't they have gotten Ethan Hawke for this role? This guy's trying so hard. He's like the poor man's Ethan Hawke. And the girl's like, isn't this Ethan Hawke? It is Ethan Hawke. He's like, no, no, no. No, that's James Franco. No, I don't think so. No, I'm positive. It's I just read the, I saw the interview with him this afternoon. And so we would have, I would be backing him up and be like, oh my gosh, he's trying so hard to be Ethan Hawke. It's not even funny. And eventually, to somewhere towards the, in the last reel of the movie, Don just announces, oh, but you know, you're right, that is Ethan Hawke. I don't know why he does these things. And the fact that this conversation with this mythical girl never actually happened, it's a conversation we talked about having, just shows you what a douche he is. I love you, Don, but you can be a douche. You're my douche. My douche. My douche. My douche. And then, of course, there's Rich. Rich, the leader of the Dark Side Horror Movie Meetup Group. You know, he got us into this free advanced screening, like he always does. And he's just on his guard now, and it's so damn boring. It's so damn boring. Now, for a while there, he was trying not to do anything embarrassing that I would talk about on the show. And now he's deliberately doing stuff that's just stupid. I mean, if you're deliberately doing something stupid, I'm not going to talk about it because that's just stupid. So shut up, Rich. Shut up. Sit down. And shut your cunt. What? Did I say that? Yes, I did. Anyway, Sinister, I really enjoyed it. I think it's worth a full price. I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys think about it. And, and oh, wouldn't it be cool if Mr. Boogie from this movie got together with Mr. Boogity from those Disney movies so he could be, like, they got married and then be Mr. Boogity Boogie or Boogie Boogity? Boogie hyphen Boogity? I'm very silly right now. Okay. Not talking music now. I'm your
the portion of the program where normally I turn things over to the voicemail. And yes, I am going to do that. But you're saying, but Patrick, you didn't talk about VHS yet. Well, this is where I'm going to put the 69 in episode 69 because I'm turning the tables on all y'all. Because every voicemail I got for this show was either talking about VHS, I'm Not Jesus Mommy, or one of the other homework assignment movies that I have asked you to do. I have a whole slew of brown noses who are waiting to talk to you. Or should I say, ready to 69 me because I'm turning the review process on its head. And then sticking my pee-pee in it. That's really disgusting, Patrick. Start playing the damn calls. No wonder nobody calls you. God. Hi, Patrick. This is Don Windsor calling to talk to you about VHS. First of all, I want to thank you for playing host. Uh, as as ever, it was great to see you. And uh, I really enjoyed seeing you, which brings me to something uh, I didn't enjoy. VHS. Now, I don't know how you feel about it. I feel much the same way. VHS was the biggest waste of my time uh, <gasps> since... I'm going to start again. I'm calling back. I, uh, I haven't planned what I'm saying, so you're going to use this to get me on the show. It's early in the morning, and I have a deadline, so i got to get this done. Well, 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 look what the cat dragged in. If it isn't D as in Don, Don Windsor. My goodness, I am so surprised to hear from you after you just ran out of here without filling your agreement. Sure, I let you stay here in my house. I let you sleep on my couch. I even let you partake of my crispy hexagons. I only asked for one thing in return. I asked for you to sit down and record something in person about VHS. But no... That was too good for you, Diaz and Don, Don Windsor, Mr. I'm so important, I've got other places to be. Really, after you try to poison me with hot chocolate. Now some of you might be wondering, what the hell does that mean? I'm telling you this, Don insisted that we go to a place called City Bakery. Because the hot chocolate was so good, it was worth freeze-drying and flying half or halfway across the country. Or some such nonsense. And you know what? It was good. It was thick as soup. I spilled some on the table. I wiped it up with a paper towel, and it did not want to come. It just kept moving around like mercury. That should have been my first clue. The second clue was they were selling $10 bags of marshmallows. That included 10 marshmallows. That's a dollar a marshmallow. I said, what are they made out of? He said, oh, they probably use all natural ingredients. Make them the way they're supposed to be made. Well, apparently they're supposed to be made with the fat of human people that they've rendered who've died of diabetes from this hot chocolate because after we drank this hot chocolate, both Don and I hallucinated for about 90 minutes straight as our livers shut the fuck down. But you know what, Don? You called back. I forgive you. I just can't stay mad at you. It was fun. It was fun. Who needed those extra toes anyway? I donated them to the marshmallow fund, so it's all working out. You know what? Let's go take a listen to this other call already, shall we? Yes, we shall. This is Don. Oh my God, it's Don Windsor. Um, VHS. Yes. What a terrible, terrible, shitty, lazy, inept, incompetent excuse for a major market release. Uh, It's no wonder that they're trying experimental and uh, unusual and fairly new strategies with the release, putting it in on demand and video as well as putting it out to theaters at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because 
a shotgun approach is the only way they're going to get people in to see this movie. I have no idea why I'm seeing D-plus and positive reviews for this film. I have no when idea. It, it made the biggest mistake that any horror movie can possibly make, in my opinion, and it let itself be boring. Yeah. Really boring for a very long time. Yeah, I agree. Um, it is scattered. The biggest problem I had, the number one biggest problem with, with VHS, is that nothing in the movie was filmed on VHS. No. Every camera you see is a newish camera. None of them were VHS cameras. Wouldn't a film called VHS, you'd think it would be kind of a pyramid film. It would be set in an era when people were using VHS tapes. But no, for some reason, this old guy in this house was converting all these, spent his time finding all his digital video and converting it to VHS, giving it the flaws that VHS tapes have, which are not inherent to digital video and wouldn't happen on digital video. Nah, that 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 very lazy and stupid choice is the number one problem I had. The number two problem is that every guy in the film was an incredibly terrible improvisational actor who yeah, made that. me hate them. I wanted them all to die because yeah. they were all complete douchebags and yelled fuck all the time. Uh, the second feature, I think was the second one, with the, uh, the honeymooning couple, was the most boring thing I've ever seen. When the twist happened at the end, I thought, well, what's... It wasn't earned. It wasn't earned at no, all. It wasn't. Yeah, it was okay, the first one was okay. The one with the, uh, the cat girl. It went yeah. on too long. But it, but it was okay. There were some genuinely disturbing moments in it. And that's the thing. There were a few genuinely disturbing moments in the film. Uh, the final sequence, I think it was the final sequence, where the, with the uh, kind of uh, twisty-turny ghost story thing with a little, uh, little twist at the end. That one, I, there were moments in that when I went... Well, why couldn't the entire film have done this moment? It was or a lot of like this, yeah. but it's fun. because it was lazy and inept and couldn't sustain any momentum. Uh-uh. The vignettes were awful. Uh-huh. Uh, the vignette, it was just lazy choices, lazy everything. The, uh, I think VHS should stand for very horrible, <laughs> stupid. That's, that's all I have. I'm just, you told me I had to go on for three minutes. I might have gone on for more than three minutes at this point. Uh, I, I apologize for not having been able to record this when we were at your Fuck house. You. I really enjoyed uh, getting to spend time yeah, yeah. With, uh, with with you and uh, getting to see you, and I will see you again soon. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm, I'm really sorry that you had to see VHS, and I, I, I think the Scream Queens should produce uh, a horror film of its own. Because you could... And... Oh, Donald, 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 you're so lucky. You're so lucky that my computer blew up so that I do not have access to my actual sound effects. Otherwise, it would have been a really horrible, embarrassing, soul-shattering buzzer that you had to endure. Instead, you just had to have my meager imitation. But I agree with everything you said about VHS. I thought it was an incredibly disappointing film, completely overbloated, and uh, I don't get the hype. I, I know lots of people who love it. They're like, this is fucking awesome, and I don't get it. Um, for those of you who listen to the Nine Living Podcast podcast, they had an interesting discussion of the misogyny in it, and I hadn't really thought about it until they started discussing it. Um, I had problems with the men in the movie. I had problems with the girls in the movie. I didn't put it together as misogyny until they started talking about it, and I said, yeah, that's true, because um, as Don said, all of the male characters in this movie are douchebags. Vile, despicable douchebags. Almost all of them, I should say. Um, and apparently, once a man gets a video camera in his hand, all he wants to do is to use it to violate women or have, or have take video of women taking their clothes off or having sex immediately. That's all they want to do, with the exception of the guys in the last story 
and the man in the second story. Most of the guys in the third story, but they were still, they were all douchebags to start with. Uh, and when I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, there's a definite rape vibe that comes through all of this. There's the, the wraparound segment. These guys that are, they, they, have their, they use their video camera to sexually assault women. They randomly pick somebody and like they, you see them attack a girl in the parking lot and, you know, start swinging her around and grab her and pull up her shirt so that her boobs flash out. And then they sell these on the internet. They're also taking video, secretly taking video of having sex with their girlfriends. These guys are despicable. And people say, yeah, they get their comeuppance. I said, yeah, but they don't get their comeuppance for that. They get their comeuppance for breaking into this old guy's house, not because of what they did. The second, the, the first official story, it's the same thing. These guys are basically secretly taping girls because the guy, uh, and um, when they get two really drunk girls back to their apartment, this one of them passes out and the guy was really ready to do it with her anyway. And the other one was so drunk and weird they figured, I can, let's all gang up on her. So there's gang rape and date rape. And yeah, they got their comeuppance too. And that was, this is really the only, the, the most shocking sequence because what happens here with this girl, the quiet, weird girl, is really quite terrifying. And a lot of it is her performance, just her look too. She's very scary. And it rises above the douchebaggery, but most of them get sunk by it. And the women characters in this are either evil or they're there to be sexually exploited. That's it. They don't have characters. And when men are portrayed as sexual predators and women are just there to be used or they're evil, that's, that's, that's misogyny to me. And they say, oh, well, you know, those early slasher movies of the 80s had a lot of misogyny too, to which I say this. I say this, this is found footage, so this is being presented as something that actually happened. Yeah, it didn't happen, but that's the whole thing with found footage. It's supposed to give the illusion that it's this documentary style. Why did I say it like that, documentary? Documentary style. So when you're seeing these sexual attacks, they have that gritty realism to it, whereas in gritty realism to them, whereas in, in an 80s slasher movie, you knew damn well it was a fantasy. Yeah, it could be sleazy too, but... And there's a degree of misogyny. This seemed to be a much higher degree of misogyny. Anyway, I digress. Don, thank you for calling in. It was lovely to see you. Unfortunately, since you did not actually sit down and record a segment with me, I cannot give you one of my titles. I was going to give you my first title of being one of my favorite heterosexuals. But, you know, this fanfare, this big march number, and, you know, chorus of angels singing but i'm not gonna mix all that shit up just because you broke my heart <laughs> oh and for those of you who want to listen on i was also going to pimp out don's cd don's a singer don's a very scary baritone and he's got an incredible voice and he's a it's such a shame because he'd be such an amazing leading man but he's just so fucking ugly the poor man can't get cast today. And, I mean, he's got a face for radio because, my God, my God, they even turned him down to Phantom of the Opera like shit. Phantom's supposed to be ugly, but come on now. No, I'm just kidding. But stick around after the show. I'm going to play a cut from one of Don's CDs. I've been talking for a really long time. Okay, next call. By the way, Don, I just wanted to say an extra thank you for using the highest quality phone so that your calls sounded like you were making them from inside of your own ass. Love you. 
Hey, Patrick, this is Juan from Austin. Um, Juan. Long-time listener, first-time contributor. Yay! Uh, you had mentioned something about that movie, uh, I'm Not Jesus, Mommy. Yes. And um, I had seen it a while back. It was on Netflix. Um, saw the picture, it caught my attention, read the description, sounded interesting, so I watched it. I'm sorry. Um, not too great a movie. Uh, it's nothing that I would recommend to anybody, really. Mm-mm. It's not like a, a horribly terrible, terribly horrible movie, but yeah, it's a problem. not a great one either. So, yeah, it is what it is. But I was thinking of what you had said about the title, that there's no comma. It's oh, drives just, me crazy. I'm not Jesus, Mommy. And I got to thinking maybe, you know, what if they made a movie, I'm not Jesus, Mommy. Hmm? Maybe they could have like, um, when Jesus died, you know, they mummified him and put him in the cave. I, I think they put him in a cave, right? When he died. Yeah. Anyway, so he wakes up in the cave and he's a mummy. And um, he escapes, whatever. And the people go back to the cave and notice that he's not there. Oh, no. And what happens is he went into the village and he's like going incognito, but he's got like all these bandages and stuff. <laughs> That's subtle. He's a mummy. That. And, you know, they're looking and I'm guessing maybe there might be like other mummies in the city also. I'm, I don't know. It's a movie, right? Yeah, sure. So, you know, they're going to all these mummies and they're like saying, are you Jesus mummy? And they finally go to him and they're like, are you Jesus mummy? And he's like, no, I'm not Jesus mummy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm special. So anyway, I just wanted to tell you that, you know, I appreciate all you do. Love the show. Thank you, baby. And keep doing what you're doing. And I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Oh my God, Juan, that was so stupid. I can't believe Mr. Brad and I didn't come up with that at like three o'clock in the morning some night. But we didn't. <laughs> Thank you for calling, and I have to apologize to you, too, because of the technical problems. I can't play you my ding-dings. So, even though you're a first-time caller, yay! Oh, wait a minute, hold on, let me do this. Now, you're a first-time caller! Yay! That was pathetic. Okay. <laughs> I hope you forgive me. Wow, I'm not Jesus, mommy. Okay, this is funny, because I, I, I love a voicemail that's got blasphemy written all over it. That makes my inner Catholic go, stop, stop, we're going to get in trouble. So let me tell you about that, because this this is one of these things with Bradford and I. Bradford, you know, he's Episcopalian, I was raised Catholic, and we find hilarious things in the Bible, like how all the, almost all the women in the New Testament are named Mary. There's an Elizabeth stuck in there somewhere, but pretty much everybody's Mary. And so much so that in the description, this is Bradford's thing, in the description of when the women go to see, you know, to go tend to Jesus, to, to visit Jesus on the third day on Easter Sunday at the cave, and they find the rock roll back, they're described as Mary and the other Mary. So that other Mary wasn't Mary Magdalene, it was some other Mary. I'm a Mary, you're a Mary, he's a Mary, she's a Mary. Wouldn't you like to be a Mary to be a Mary? Drink like a Mary. I'll stop now. I mean, I have been in places where there are a lot of Marys, if you know what I mean. But that I, that's a lot of Marys. I sense a Don Knotts movie and this why there's so many Marys. I don't know. Okay, that's the Chiz X thing from that Living Podcast. It's his Don Knotts impersonation. I've been looking at you through the bedroom window. 
So I apologize for stealing that. But, you know, I, so we went from Jesus to mummies to Don Knotts. It's a totally logical progression. Thank you for calling Juan. And thank you for the musical interlude. Was that dead or alive? Because if it was, that's very appropriate music for a mummy movie. By the way, Juan, I'm very happy that you called after my friend Don, because I think you two would get along really well. So Don, meet Juan, Juan, Don. Don Juan. <laughs> I'm hilarious. Oh, golly gee whiz. Patrick, this is Chad from Boston. Hey, Hi. Chad. Um, I know I haven't uh, been a regular caller or a contributor, but oh. I've certainly been listening to every single episode oh. and been enjoying them. And I saw your Facebook posting, post, <laughs> posting that you were going to be recording the VHS show. Yes. So I wanted to call in quickly and give David and mine three cents. I'm yes. outside in the rain walking the dog as I speak to you right now. Come on, Ripley. Oh, <laughs> um, we actually really dislike the VHS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the acting was pretty good. Um, some of the ideas of how to do the farm footage, as I'm sure you will comment on, is actually original, so it wasn't all the same thing. Yeah. But overall, the stories were pretty awful. The yeah. wraparound story was incomprehensible. Thank you. Um... The I I had a real problem with when was this movie supposed to take place? Thank you. If it's VHS, shouldn't it be in like the eighties or the nineties? In which case, how could there possibly be a camera in eyeglasses? What's it recording to? Where's the battery? Yeah. I mean, I normally don't nitpick like that, but, know, but it's pulling me out of the movie. Like, why would it? They then burn it onto a VHS. And same with like the whole Skype segment. Like, how did you record that and then put it on a tape? It's stupid. And why would you do that? Why not just burn it to the. I don't know. I know it's a bit picky, but no, it kind of pulled me out of the movie. Um, last segment was kind of fun. Actually, our favorite segment was the one that nobody else seemed to like, which was the Ty West one. Um, just because I thought the acting was pretty good. And. It's one of the best things Ty West has done because it's like he seems to really need that 15, you know, if it's an hour and a half feature, yeah. it tends to drag on and on like my phone call is. Um, oh, for 15 minutes, it forces him to kind of cut to the chase with his slow burn style of yes. storytelling. So just wanted to give my two cents. And that's it. Keep up the great work. Bye. Bye. That's my line. Oh, Chad, my sweet Chad, my superstar of the Boston Gay Men's Chorus. I'm so glad to hear from you. And I'm so glad you waited till your boyfriend went out to walk the dog because it makes this call seem more illicit than it actually is, which it's not illicit at all. But just go with me. Just go with me. I'm bored today, so I'm finding my enjoyment anywhere. And I, I have to agree with you on just about everything. I, I liked the Ty West segment to a degree. But I had to agree with what Don said. I... I didn't realize that was the Ty West segment, but at the time while I was watching it, I'm going, I should be bored because really nothing's happening or very little is happening, yet I'm not. I'm invested in these characters as much as I can be in 15 minutes, and I'm concerned about what's happening to them, which is the same feeling that I had with the slow burn pace of House of the Devil and um, the other one, uh, The Innkeepers. However, uh, I have to agree with Don here too, that when the ending came, it came out of nowhere and it just showed up and left. 
and I found that unsatisfying. Although, I mean, it had it been, I don't know, had just, I don't know, I don't know. I think he can find too much, he spent a little too much time on, on the driving and not enough time on the other part. It didn't need a lot more, just a little bit, some hints, something, there wasn't any. But I see what you mean, and you're not being nitpicky about the VHS stuff. If it's the name of your movie, you're putting it out there. It's like, and then it, it seemed like they had they, the the directorial instruction was to make, hey, we're all going to make our own little short films involving found footage. And somehow afterwards, somebody came along and wrote the frame story that it was about VHS tapes. So they just kind of hammered all that in there. Where it could have been anything. It could have been DVDs. You know, burned DVDs. It could have been a, I don't know, what do you call them? The, 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 the little sticky things that you stick in. I can't even think of what you call them. Jump drives. Flash drives. Jump drives. What the hell's a jump drive? I don't know. But, um, yeah, if you're going to say VHS, it, I don't know. It just, it's something that's just going to nit, you know, niggle at you. And that's not a racist term, so please don't yell at me. It's a decent, I, mm, I'm off topic. If it's enough to distract you, from the story, from paying attention to the story, when every story you're going, wait, what? Wait, okay, what? Then it's a problem. I know some people saying, oh, who cares? It's not that big a deal. But apparently it is that big a deal because I hear this complaint over and over and over and over and over. So, I don't know. Not a wise move. Because VHS has terrors of it. Because it also didn't make sense. And that slasher movie, it was getting that weird feedback thing that you only get on VHS. Like, I'm sorry, spoiler. You can't see the killer because every time he shows up, there's this weird kind of supernatural VHS distortion over him that you don't get on digital video. So wait, what, and she's going, why can't I see you? Why can't I see you on camera? Well, you would have been able to see it on your digital camera, but apparently the VHS couldn't see it. It's just confusing, unnecessarily confusing. And... So there. So, Chad, you're right. You're always right. Except when you're not. I'm always right. But I'm agreeing with you. So you're always... I don't know what I'm saying. I'm overtired. Can you tell that? I'm already getting tired. I'm out of practice. Okay. Thanks for calling, Chad. Bye. Hi, Patrick. It's Lauren. I just saw your Facebook post uh, that you're about to start recording. So, feedback for VHS. I saw a free presser in D.C. Yes. And I guess you would... You had warned me that it's, it's worth a free watch. And it definitely was. I had fun. Um, some of the characters were overwhelming douchebags. Oh. And I was, I was kind of afraid when it, it started. Not from a lot of them. Mm. But um, when they got their comeuppance, it made me very happy. So I was able to tolerate that. And I was really happy to see um, like a newer independent film with a whole bunch of directors yeah. actually in a theater. So Okay. Yeah, it's not perfect, but no. it's an anthology, you know? Some sections are like, some I didn't, and it, I thought it was pretty innovative. And I'm going up to see Third World Productions, Team Hong Haunted House, this weekend. Oh, yes. Uh, based Hall. on your recommendation, I'm very excited. Well, it's not the And also, house, fuck what happened to your website. I'm really excited about that. And oh. uh, that stupid divot box thing. What? I've heard Mysterious Universe podcast keeps talking about it. They're cute Australian guys. But they just talked about how anyone who mentions the name of the box, everything explodes. Like, they would have car trouble or some shit would burn down. And, you know, it could be all bullshit. But there's one of those coincidence or conspiracy things when your website ate shit right oh, after you talked about it. Yes, yes, fuck yes, that yes. that that happened to your website. I'm so pissed. You put well, so much work into it. Anyway, goodbye, Patrick. Love you. Love Mr. Brad. And Aww. I promise not to spoil Team Hong Kong's house because I don't want Mr. Brad to come turn up my shit. Thank Bye. you.
Ah, uh, Lauren, Lauren, mon petit bonbon. Thank you so much for calling in. It's always such a delight to hear from you. Although I have to say, I'm so glad that you apparently have borrowed the phone of Diaz and Don, Don Windsor, because much like him, you are calling from inside of your own ass. And it's really echoey for straight girl. Anyway, um, yes, VHS, I, I should have clarified something. I didn't hate it as much as Don did. Don was explosively diuretic about it that really made no sense but i'm gonna stick with that he was he was vehement in his hatred of vhs uh overall i did not like it however two segments were standouts i thought the segment with the the guys who pick up the girls from the bar despite its date rapey gang rapey overtones was really quite shocking and and satisfying as was the last segment with, with the haunted house which i just thought was so much fun so much silly fun. If the rest of the movie had been like that segment, I would have enjoyed it. But instead, we got stuff like the stupid thing with the Skype, which was just... <laughs> no, but I'm sorry. The worst one was the slasher. The Skype one was just unsatisfying. The, sec- the, one, the one with the slasher was just inept. Terrible special effects. Awful acting. Awful concept. Because, I'm sorry, spoiler on this one. Tick, tock, tick, tock. Fast forward now if you don't want to know what I'm going to say. If this girl went back and set all these traps to catch the people that killed all of her friends, why didn't he just kill her then? Aha! Stupid. And as for um, um, uh, Third Rail Productions, yes, it is the same company that put on the steampunk haunted house, but this is not the steampunk haunted house. They're not doing a haunted house this year. This is their alternative to the haunted house. So I'm hoping that you will enjoy it nonetheless. It sounds like it's still going to be awesome and creepy and wonderful. So um, please don't beat me up. Or if you do beat me up, start with Mr. Brad. Yeah, that didn't make any sense, but you know what? Do what I tell you. Daddy knows best. Thanks, Lauren. Hello, Patrick. Yes. Hey, Jeff from California giving you a quick call on this Hi, Jeff. beautiful Southern California raining morning. No, oh. they just look like shit out. Oh. Uh, I just wanted to give you a quick call about NHS. Uh, didn't have any expectations when I went and saw it or ordered it on demand, whatever uh-huh. you want to say. Uh, I actually enjoyed it. Does okay. it have its problems as most anthology films do? Yeah. Of course. There's some slow parts. I'm not going to get into any details because I was a few weeks ago and I forget most of them. But <laughs> Fair enough. You I had drunk. fun watching it. Okay. I don't see the misogyny angle like some people do. No, we talked about that already. But then again, I listen to your podcast. I'm not like most people. <gasps> Neither are you. No, I'm so, not. So, uh, yeah. Been enjoying the show, caught up on the last few episodes, and waiting for episode 69. Well, you're on it. Love you. Later. Ah, Jeff from Southern California. So quick, so succinct, so pithy, even. So much a first time caller! Yay! No, that wasn't good. Yep. Yeah. Wait, first time caller! But better, yay! Because I don't have a sound effect. Because I'm not on my regular computer. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed VHS. Now, I know I didn't like it. I'm always happy if somebody enjoys anything. If you enjoyed it, good for you. Um, if you didn't see the misogyny angle, good. Good for you. It made you enjoy the movie better. I kind of wish I hadn't noticed the misogyny angle, even though after I noticed it after the fact. Um... Because like I said, there are merits to the movie. I really enjoyed the second segment, and I loved the, fir- the last segment. So yeah, there's reasons to watch it. And um, I love you too, even though we just met. It's love at first ear. I got nothing. 
Hey, Patrick, it's Betty. And Derwood. Yeah. We just had an audacity. Disaster. Oh, no. Uh, we had a perfect message recorded, and it disappeared. So oh, no. here we are with take three, and this is just going to be the best one. I know it. It's going to suck. <laughs> so anyway, how have you been? Sorry it's been so long well, since we've left you a message. We're on a new computer, so yeah. I don't know how the sound quality is going to be, but it's what well, we got, so we're going with it. So it's an improvement. Um, wanted to talk to you about some stuff we've been watching. Yes. VHS. VHS, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, everybody's heard of this. It's pretty new. Oh, really? It's How an anthology movie. Which oh. we didn't realize going in. Oh. No. After we got through the second segment, we were expecting it to tie back to that first one that we just watched, so and right. we didn't have any Monster Girl. Oh, spoiler! Not too late. Too late. <laughs> now, the first, the first segment we thought was the best yeah. um, out of all of them. Yeah. There's about four or five directors uh, involved, including Ty West. He does the second segment, which uh-huh. I thought was pretty good, too. It is all right. Um, but it's tied together with a wraparound story. Of some douchebags. Oh, my God. They're such <laughs> assholes you just cannot wait for them to get their just desserts um and it takes the whole movie for it to happen yeah um but it's you know it's shot on videotape so you have all the little cutouts and you know stuff like that um snow and things that you haven't seen in years because you haven't watched vhs tapes in years (laughs) um but it's interesting ways i think of happening to have a camera handy Nanny cam. That's yep. when you'll understand yeah. that when you see it. And, uh, yeah, there's oh, some glasses. Yeah. And, um, mm. you know, for the most part, they're pretty inventive. Um, it's getting mixed reviews. And I would <laughs> actually like to not. see it again now. If you can get through the first five minutes with those idiots, yeah. um, then you're good to go. So I would like to hear your thoughts on that. And I'm sure you'll be talking about oh, it. Oh, yeah, I'm already um, done. Then next, uh, we did do our homework. We watched Outcast on Netflix Instant. So oh, gosh. we graciously so now yes. accept our stars. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, get over yourself. <laughs> um, and we thought at first that it needed subtitles. Yeah, these, these people were hard to understand. Yeah, that's one thing that Netflix doesn't afford you is subtitles. <laughs> Actually, it but does. But after a while, no, okay. we started to understand them well enough. And um, Derwood did like one scene in particular. Titties. The human hairbrush scene. Titties. Or the human hairbrush. Paintbrush. Human hair titties. Yeah, um, which was totally bizarre and inexplicable, but At it did come come out in the end what it was all about. Yeah, it's, it's cool that all these little weird things are happening and it kind of pulls you through the movie because you're like, what the hell is that? But then you realize what it all means in the Eureka. end. Yeah, just like you said. It's like, oh, that's why. That's- <laughs> oh, yeah, that all makes sense now. And it's um, a cautionary tale. It is. Kids. Mm. Don't have sex. No, bad, bad things, things happen. Bad, bad things happen <laughs> uh, when that happens. Totally. Uh, but no, all too. in all, we did like it. Um, <laughs> thanks to you, we, we have seen some interesting things. Absentia was oh, very good. Thank you. And Tales of the City was great. Oh, very good. Thank you very much You're for welcome. that. Um, then we Keep also wanted to talk about, uh, we need to talk about, Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> uh, it was actually a book that we had listened um, to. Listened to, yeah, and it, it was, was so done modern. in such a way that it was a series of letters huh? uh, from a the mother. mother to the father of Kevin. Mm-hmm. And it, it spans for seventeen years because it goes from the birth of this kid 
to the um, event. Event <laughs> at the end, which probably people know what that event was. It was but, bar mitzvah. Um, yes. yes. Yeah, there is something really wrong with Kevin, and he definitely needs to be talked about. But the book is chilling. Yes. It will stay with you. Uh-huh. I mean, and then they did the film about it, and we thought that they did a really good job with that. Yeah, they did a good job of condensing the story and still touching on all the points that the book was making. Good. Yes, and uh, and great, great casting and acting was right. awesome. Really, really good. Yeah. And then lastly, that. we wanted to say um, there's a movie coming out in early November. Yes. Called The Bay. The Bay. <laughs> the Bay. And. Uh, it's about the Chesapeake Bay, which is oh, right okay, in my yeah. Underwood's backyard. Oh, so it's about you. And it's fish horror, uh, done by Barry Levinson, who is a big director in Yes, Baltimore. I'm familiar with the Barry. Tin Man and Diner. Diner, yeah. Um, diner. So now he's going to tackle the horror zone. Fish. And I have Plankton. posted on Facebook uh, a clip of that. And if y'all aren't on Facebook, you need to join. Find it on Facebook. It's Screen Queens Discussion Group. Join the party. Screamers. Yeah, definitely, because <laughs> yes. we met some really, really great people over there, and uh, we're all having a good time. So what are you waiting for? Join. Join us. <laughs> join us. Weirdos. All right, Patrick, that's about it. Take you care, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. You are weirdos, and I love you. Well, I'm f- glad I finally got to play your call, Betty and Derwood. You guys left this like a month ago. Actually, it is officially a month ago. Today, I'm recording this on 10, 11, 12. Yay! I noticed that at the doctor's office this morning, and I giggled like a retard. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. No, I didn't mean to say that. I was like a retarded person. <laughs> and they're like, what's so funny? I'm like, nothing. But uh, yeah, they left this initially for the live episode from Pride 40 for Pride 48, but it was way too long because, you see, they think they're smart and they can bypass my voicemail alarm system, for want of a better word, cutoff system, by sending it in as an MP3 file to my email. But I said, no, this is a live episode. This message is going to be too long. We only have an hour. It can't all be about you, Betty and Derwood, just because you're the stars of this show. It can't mean you'd be hogging up the airways for everybody. So it's been sitting and waiting and sitting and waiting and sitting and waiting, but now it's out. Now it's out, and I would give you gold stars, but the fact that you asked for your gold stars and expected them in your message, no gold stars. No gold stars for Betty and Derwood. I'm glad you enjoyed VHS. I had, I think it's funny that every single person who has mentioned the men in this, everybody's called in today, has called the men in VHS douchebags. So that seems to be, that should be uh, one of the, ta- the search tags for this movie. Douchebags. Horror. Anthology. Hidden camera. Douchebags. Um, as I've already discussed, I had my problems with it, but we already have heard all about that stuff, and you're probably like, yeah, we get it. All right, move on, Patrick. So I'm going to move on. I'm going to say thank you for doing your homework. Thank you for watching Outcast. I'm glad you enjoyed that, too. I thought it was an interesting little movie. Flawed, but interesting, and should get some play. And you, you do everything I tell you to, which is awesome. And I don't know. Did, did you guys watch it on Netflix Instant? Because they do. I watched it with subtitles. On Netflix Instant. So clearly you guys don't know how to do that. There is a little button in the menu that comes up. I think it's for like special features or something like that. And the special features or whatever it says will give you an option for subtitles. Use them. They're there. 
And um, yeah, so I like it. I like the like Absentia. I'm glad that you watched Tales of the City because that is something I base my life on. And uh, we need to talk about Kevin. It's very interesting. Earlier in the show, I talked about the perks of being a wallflower. It's funny to watch that back to back with we need to talk about Kevin because Kevin's in both these movies and he's so adorable in the perks of being a wallflower that I have trouble wrapping my head around the fact that it's the same actor because he's so damn despicable. And I need to, we need to talk about Kevin. Matilda Swinton is such an ice princess that it's the perfect casting for this questionable mom. And uh, even though you guys are not getting gold stars, you know who's getting gold stars? Everybody who called today because you all did your homework. Well done. So Chad, Juan, Lauren, Jeff, all get gold stars. You know who also doesn't get gold stars? Don. D is in Don. Don Windsor. Because he broke my heart. He's a heartbreaker. <sighs> Sorry, it's still, the, the wounds are still raw. I would go lick them, but they're just too far down to reach. That was disgusting. And when I'm making nonsensical, disgusting remarks that unfounded in reality, it is time to wrap this puppy up for another week, y'all. So if you want to be like all these really super cool people who called in and made the show even better than it was going to be, you can give me a call at 347-767-3509, or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com, and that's Queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook, you can follow me on Twitter, and you can be just the coolest motherfucker that you could possibly be. So... Next time, the Halloween mayhem is going to continue because I'm going to be visiting a whole bunch of local haunted houses, so I'll be talking about them. I'm trying to line up some special guests to come in and talk about some movies. We'll be talking about Paranormal Activity 4. And if you want to play along at home, you know, things just pop into my head to talk about. So keep an eye on the Facebook fan pages, you know, and that's Screamers! Exclamation point. Do a little search on that and start following there if you want all the inside dirt as it's happening. So, until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Boy, I don't mind that you cut holes in my bed sheets to make your ghost costume, but I do mind that for some reason my good sheets are covered in Crisco. Bye. Bye. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! <laughs>